This is Thoughts from the Metal Cavern, where only one opinion matters, and it's not yours. Hello to all of you podcast fans out there, and especially fans of this podcast, because why else would you have tuned in if you weren't a fan of listening to me ramble on about various subjects with absolutely no knowledge about any of them at all? So anyway, this is what basically constitutes the first episode of Season 6 of Thoughts from the Metal Cavern. Now that just means that so far I've been doing this particular podcast for about two and a half years. So that is a lot of episodes, uh, over 200 as it turns out, which is also quite remarkable that I could continue to come up with rubbish subjects to talk about to you as I sit here in the wonderful Metal Cavern with the sun streaming in my window the blue sky is out, the rain is gone, and the world is ready to change over to the new year of 2023. Anyway, on today's episode, I'm not going to be talking about any of that. In fact, I'm just going to be discussing a couple of movies that I've watched recently. And whether that interests you or not, well, you know what, that doesn't matter to me, because in the long run, you could easily just press the pause button or the stop button and go off and find the next thing that you want to do today. And I would never know, no matter how many times I might ask you. So, for the first time in 2023, this is the wonderful podcast that keeps coming back at you no matter how much you ask for it to stop. Thoughts from the Metal Cavern. For those of you who have made it this far, well done. Welcome to 2023. And let's hope it's much better than 2022, because 2022 involved myself uh, having a broken leg, which took about three or four months to come over, which I then caught COVID, which was even better. And then the rest of the year is a bit of a a catch-up scenario, and not much was really done. So let's hope that 2023 starts a hell of a lot better than 2022 did. Now the other day I chose to watch a movie on Netflix called Glass Onion. Now for those of you who don't know anything about Glass Onion, there was a movie released two years ago called... (coughs) Oh, excuse me, I've still got that cough from the flu. It's definitely not a COVID cough. It was called uh, Knives Out and it starred the... Well, at that time, the current James Bond, and of course, no longer James Bond, Daniel Craig. And it had a a, a very big cast of very famous people, and it was a murder mystery in the style, I guess you would say, of of Sherlock Holmes or of uh, Agatha Christie and that kind of stuff. Now, this was done by Rian Johnson, who some people might know better from doing what they consider to be The worst Star Wars movie, although that may well have been topped by the final Star Wars movie. Now, he wrote and directed that, and it did very well on Netflix. And uh, if you haven't seen it, then I suggest, perhaps, if you're thinking of watching Glass Onion, maybe go back and watch Knives Out first. 
It's a terrific film. Uh, if you like murder mysteries in that style, as I said, of Agatha Christie or Sherlock Holmes, it's well worth watching. Now, this isn't a sequel as such. It contains Daniel Craig in the main role of Benoit Blanc. Uh, and it's interesting that Rian Johnson, again, wrote and uh, directed it, but it's been promoted as Glass Onion, a Knives Out mystery, which he is pretty pissed off about because he doesn't want it to be known as a Knives Out mystery, obviously because that was a standalone film and this is a standalone film. Now, it may involve the same main character as the detective, but promoting it as a Knives Out mystery, no doubt to play off the success of that first film, is not something that he particularly enjoyed. So, anyway, (laughs) as it turns out, Again, this was released at the film at the cinemas uh, at the end of November for a very short run before its eventual release on Netflix on December 23rd. Uh, and it's interesting that uh, Netflix have bought the rights to two sequels to Knives Out, paid almost $500 million for those rights. So you'd expect that the first one must have done well enough for them to think that this is what's going to make them money. As to the film itself, well, I don't want to give away the plot, but obviously uh, Benoit Blanc is uh, invited to a get-together with lots of other friends of a very who have worked together in the past. They are all quite well off, and they're all in their uh, chosen professions. And the main character uh, invites them to a weekend to his private island, Obviously, there is. A, it was for a murder mystery to solve his murder, is the way he put it in the invitation. So immediately you think, well, okay, how does he know he's going to be murdered? How does he know he's going to get bumped off? That's not exactly the way it went. But as it turns out, Benoit Blanc was invited, but he was mistakenly invited, Also, we are led to believe. And thus we have a situation where all of these friends who all have a relationship from uh, previous working relationship in the past and they're all uh, interconnected with the, the money that they're making and the jobs that they're doing and then of course someone's going to die now as it said at the start with the invitation come and solve my murder in the murder mystery that they're going to play out doesn't actually work out that way now I'm not going to give away anything except to say that uh, the characters are played terrifically well. The cast is excellent. Edward Norton is plays the head guy, who's the the man who is inviting everyone to his island, with uh, a surreptitious um, reason for doing that. This is very difficult to talk about a movie without giving away the plot sometimes, isn't it? And the cast is really good. Like uh, Catherine Hahn, who has been in some other stuff recently, and has been terrific in those roles. Uh, especially for anyone who ended up watching the, the Marvel series re- recently uh, about Wanda, uh, WandaVision. She was excellent in that. Kate Hudson. Well, I haven't seen Kate Hudson for years, and she's here, and she's terrific in her role. And, of course, what movie doesn't have Dave Batista in it at the moment? He seems to be absolutely everywhere. Now, again, all I can say without giving away the plot is is that you give given the opportunity to try and work out for yourself what's going on. And then there is an extended flashback once all this has been set up to go back 
and fill in some of the blanks that you don't see initially on screen. So you can go through the first third of the movie and try to work out who you think is the main culprit here. And then you come to the fill-in parts, which also bring back some things and make you change your mind. But even then, you get to the end of the movie and you sort of can think, well, maybe it's this person, and it ends up not being that way. Overall, it's lots of fun. One of the scenes I will tell you about that I think is very well done, and it's the first time I've seen it in this post-pandemic world, is that all of the guests arrive on the dock to get picked up by the boat to take them out to the private island. And all of them turn up wearing masks. Well, almost all of them turn up wearing masks. And I think it's a really nice way to say that, well, the pandemic happened, so if we're going to do a film based in this time frame, then we must show the fact that people were wearing masks at that time when they got together. Now, of course, they got to the the dock and some were wearing masks. Others were wearing what could possibly be called masks, but were basically just a piece of fabric <laughs> thrown over their face. And, of course, there are others who showed up who had no intention of wearing masks. So a really clever way of, of showing exactly how the world was and still is to this day that there are people who will wear masks and do what is considered to be the right thing and there are other people who couldn't give a rat's ass about it and just believe that the world that COVID is over and that we can just get on without doing that so really cleverly filmed and um, beyond that I think that everything else from that point on where the host turns up played by Edward Norton and he has a gun that injects something into everyone's mouth and basically says, you're right now, you're solved, you're, you're clear, you can take your masks off. So whether that in the film is not really actually followed through as to say, what was that? Is it just an invention that he's come up with that actually means that it's stopped any chance of COVID being transferred if you have it so you can take your masks off or what? I don't know, it wasn't explained. But I just love that scene where they where we had many people showing up in masks and then others who just decided to flaunt it. So really nicely played there by Rian Johnson. So the film itself, again, without trying to give away any of the story, is well worth watching. I don't think it was as good as Knives Out. I thought Knives Out was particularly well done. And it gave you uh, plenty of options in that movie to try to work out what had happened and who had uh, created the murder. The same thing sort of happens here, but realistically in the long run, once you're watching, you can see that there is only one person who could have done what happened. Um, so a lot easier to solve who actually committed the murder that occurs, but perhaps not the reasons behind it or what happened with that. And that then gets filled in through the movie. It's quite long. It's about two and a quarter hours, I think. Um, but if you've got time and you've got an afternoon just a while away and you've got nothing else to watch, it's well worth your time to check out. But like I said, if you haven't seen Knives Out, watch that first and then watch this one. Now, apparently it's been nominated for two Golden Globes, I believe. Uh, I think the movie itself is up for Best Motion Picture, Musical or Comedy, uh, which I don't know what it's up against. So I couldn't tell you whether I think it's going to win or not. 
And it's also for Daniel Craig for Best Actor in a motion picture, picture, sorry, musical or comedy. And again, I don't know who he's up against, so I don't know if he'll win. But it, if you like murder mysteries, and you, it's it's not an absolutely serious one. There's plenty of comedy in there. It's well worth your while. Ladies and gentlemen. You expected the mystery. Get your hand off of that. You expected a puzzle. But for one person on his island, this is not a game. Will you explain it to us then, detective? week I also revisited a movie that I've only seen once before and it's popped up on Netflix again I'm not here to uh, advertise Netflix by the way it just happens to be that they're the two movies I've watched recently (laughs) Um, and the film is an Adam Sandler film you know I know there are some people out there already going shuddering in their boots and others who are saying yes Adam Sandler and the film is Little Nicky and when I first watched it, I saw it at the cinemas. I had been through the Adam Sandler ringer, I suppose you could say. I mean, we'd had we'd had Billy Madison, we'd had Airheads, we'd had Happy Gilmore, and we'd had a couple of others that were okay but not great. And then we'd had The Water Boy, and then we came to Little Nicky. So we'd had almost every aspect of the Adam Sandler character by this stage. Now, Little Nicky, at the time when I saw it, I came away thinking it was going to be much, much better than it was, considering the cast who were in the film. And so, I didn't watch it again. I've never really jumped at the saying, oh, I should watch this again. And then it came up on Netflix, and I thought, well, you know what, I've got to watch this again, because I need to see if it was as average as I thought it was, or whether I had missed something. Now, when I first saw it, I was at 30 years of age. It was released in the year 2000. So now I am 53. Uh, some would say, haven't grown up since then, but others would suggest that perhaps my tastes have matured a little bit since then. Well, I watched this again, and it is one of the most forgettable films I've ever seen. And it has probably ever been made. Now, I know there are people out there, probably most of them not listening to this podcast, who would be saying, how can you say that? It's fantastic. It's so funny. And you've just got to take it as it is and not try to read too much into it. Well, 
I understand all that. But if you've got a film that has Harvey Keitel playing, you know, the devil in it, it's, and you've got Roger Dangerfield who's playing his father, and you've got other terrific people in this cast, many of whom have been in most of the Adam Sandler films throughout, you would think that you would get at least a few belly laughs throughout. And I didn't at all. I I hadn't forgotten the plot. I hadn't really forgotten what happened. And basically, uh, Nicky is the third son of the current um, devil, who is played by Harvey Keitel. And he's done his, Satan's done his 10,000 years. And so now he has to uh, come to choosing his successor. So he has three sons, of course, two who are evil and whatever it is. And then you've got little Nicky, who is just a dumbass, basically. So the other two sons are played by uh, Tiny Lister Jr., who most of you all know from other films like that, and Risa Farns. Now, let me just say straight up, Risa Farns is the one glowing part of this film. His performance is just fantastic. And every time he's on screen, the movie is better. And I don't know why they couldn't have done more with him or with everybody else in the same way that his role worked. Because he was fantastic. But everyone else is crap. And I mean that in the nicest possible way. Now... Adam Sandler has decided to play Little Nicky with a speech impediment because he's been hit by a shovel and he spends his whole film trying to keep his mouth on one side of his face because he's been hit by a shovel by his brother and he speaks strangely to a threat. Now we've we've had Adam Sandler characters in the past who have spoken strangely. Billy Madison was one, but certainly his role in The Waterboy was exactly like that as well. And I just think I got tired of him playing it that way and listening to him for the whole film all the way through just became tedious. There was no fun in that at all. And then we've got, you know, our fabulous talking dog is there to help him. Anyway, little Nicky, of course, um, sorry, Satan, Harvey Keitel decides he's going to reign for another 10,000 years because he says no one's ready to keep the balance between good and evil. So Nicky's two brothers escape hell and... Basically, because they've escaped and they've closed the doorway for all the souls coming into hell, that means that Satan's going to fall apart until he's dead. And then it will only take one of the brothers to sit on the throne while he's in a weakened state to take over hell. So the two brothers, of course, will decide they're going to go to earth, they're going to cause mayhem, do all this kind of stuff. And the only person who can go through to save hell and his father is Nicky. And so that's what he does. He comes to earth. And of course, uh, he's a nice sort of devil imp kind of person and he meets up with a girl played by Patricia Arquette and of course they fall in love and <sighs> you know what it's it's it, all, all of the other parts of it don't work like it's just really tedious the whole story is not exciting it's not funny uh, uh, yeah, in the long run, that's what it comes down to, isn't it? It's not funny. He's missed the trick, and who? I mean, I know that he didn't write it as such. Like it came from an idea from someone else, and he was one of the co-writers. But 
they've absolutely missed so many possibilities they could have used. In the long run, what's the funniest part? The funniest part is when um, Rusa Farn's character turns into a bat to escape the bottle that he's got to try to be trapped in so he can be taken back to hell. And so who do they bring to save the day? Well, he conjures up Ozzy Osbourne to bite the head off the bat and spit it back into the flask. I laughed. Ozzy Osbourne, brilliant, fantastic. So many missed opportunities though. And that was a waste of an hour and a half that I probably could have watched any other movie that I've seen before and enjoyed. But it came down to me having to watch this to see how bad it actually was. Now some people will say that this is an Adam Sandler film and this is what all Adam Sandler films are like. Well, they're not. Because if you watch, let's say, Happy Gilmore, which is probably still his best ever film, it was punchy and moved from scene to scene. We had the antagonist and the protagonist. We had the villain who was the obvious villain who was just played so brilliantly by Christopher McDonald. And everything moves along uh, quickly, punchily. We got to all the funny lines. We got to the end. The hero wins. It's all beautiful. Now, if you look at Little Nicky in the same way, the storyline is more or less structured the same, but it's not cut, cut so well. It's 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 um, acted and performed slowly, like the uh, scenes sort of drag out. They're not punchy. We don't have as many funny lines. Um, the love interest doesn't really work. The villain, again, Risa Farns, is terrific, and he's the best part of it. We get to the end, you know, guy gets girl, everyone's happy at the end, it all works out, but it just doesn't. It's not the same. So, Little Nicky, for anyone who hasn't seen it, I'm going to suggest you don't. And I'd be interested to know if anyone out there who does like Little Nicky, who can give me some inspiration as to why they think it's so good and so funny because uh, this is probably on the list of one of the worst films I've ever seen. For your enjoyment, I bring you a dear sweet man, Mr. Henry Winkler. Good evening. Covered in bees. that's about enough from me today like i said i hope uh, that anyone who's interested in murder mysteries gets out and sees glass onion anyone who's interested in adam sandler films avoid little nicky like the plague <laughs> so this is the start of season six as i said it's a new year um i wouldn't say i'm going to be trying new stuff but i'm going to try and uh broaden the horizons of the podcast episodes that i do rather than concentrate so much on uh, certainly uh, cricket in the summer and rugby league in the winter. It'd be nice for me to give a little bit of extra stuff elsewhere. Let's see if I can extend that beyond this episode. Anyway, to all of you who have tuned in, thanks once again. And as always, I hope that you'll come back for the very next episode of Thoughts from the Metal Cavern. Cheers.
You have been listening to a Metal Cavern production.